How you doing? This is Lance Henriksen, and you're going to listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's TalkCast 111, and it's a great day to be human, ladies and gentlemen. If the sound check we had this afternoon was any indication of how the show is going to go, this is one for the books. Deep in Area 51, this is going to be a great show. I am the Dome. I'm sitting here doing all kinds of cool stuff. Joining the TalkCast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, it is the lady who was once the princess of snark, has now been elevated to the Duchess of Snark. She keeps going. She's going for queenhood. It's Kriana. You know, this week I learned that shuffling is not just for old people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's now a dance, apparently. Oh. Okay. okay, send your cards and letters to Kriana at sci-fi Saturday night dot com. They should be they should be condolence cards because the Cupid Shuffle's been around for like forever. It's okay with the program. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the dank dungeon reading room, it's a girl, it's a robot. She's going to become the new princess of Snark. It's Sombrarian. I get to be a princess? You're Am always I a pretty princess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's you've always been we'll a princess to us. <laughs> From the four color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the guy who's responsible for bringing the guy who's on the show later on to this show, whatever, it's Illustrator X. And now that I've finished my uh, computer training courses, I think I'm ready for ColecoVision. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not, but that's okay. <laughs> Joining him in the four-color vault of comics is his lovely ingenue, our princess of darkness with a side order of gloom, in her bedazzled script, crypt, crypt, script, script, crypt, it's the dead redhead. I hope everyone had a solemn John Lennon day. Yeah, good point. And from Outpost Gallifrey, the cat, Nymphomania Catch and Release Center, it's our own Captain Segway himself, Awake by Java. There are an awful lot of princesses here. <laughs> Do you want to be one, Java? Uh, no, you know, I had a, I'll paint your nails. I, I had, I had a uh, shirt. Well, get you a pony, too. <laughs> are you a brony? And I didn't know it. In my previous life, I was, I, was, I was a star of stage, and I, I have a shirt that... Uh, uh, names me Rapunzel's Prince, but the R fun fell out off, so now I'm Rapunzel's Pince, and I don't think that that's the same thing. <laughs> Especially not in London. But thank you so much for playing the game. We have an interesting show for you tonight because at the half hour, we are going to be joined by Joe Madry, who is a writer and has written a biography and the person he's written the biography with, and the, the with? person who the book is about, about? <laughs> with, with and about, Lance Hendrickson is going to be joining us at the half of the show. 
And I got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm going to make the point right now that this may be one of the funniest sound checks we have ever had. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but not now. Wow. Okay, and, fine. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. That's all he had to say. That, that was all I've got to say. It was one of the coolest soundtracks we've had in a while, too. But that's, that's a true. whole other story. But so. we need to start off the show as we do every day by announcing the drink of the night, which for me is a, is a nice white wine. Uh, and uh, by moving on to uh, this week's, as we're heading into the holiday season, before we get to our uh, Facebook poll of the week, uh, gift ideas that we've come up with this week. And why don't we start with Java? Java, what have you got? Okay, so this is a conditional gift. If, conditional? Yeah, if you have an iPhone 4 or an iPhone 4S, and if you use it to take pictures and or movies, the, these are a couple of things that can really make your life easier and more fun. The, the first is called a glyph. It's made by a fantastic design studio, and it was actually started on Kickstarter. It's a little uh, camera mount. It puts a camera tripod mount on the bottom of your phone. All you got to do is snap your phone into it. It takes great. Uh, it works really great. Fits right in there. Doesn't block anything. And my second thing is a JobyPod video GorillaPod. It's got a little arm on it so that you can uh, pan and tilt. And just like any of the GorillaPods, it has magnetic feet and it can twist around things to enable you to get that fantastic shot of the concert of the horrible band that you went to see because your friend <laughs> forced you to. To post on YouTube while you snark comments in the background. Exactly. Priyana, right. <laughs> what have you got? Oh, I have something very special this week. And it's also kind of conditional, as in you have to be a little bit crafty. I have got to knit superhero finger friends finger puppets. They're not that hard. Come on. If you think you can't knit, you're just not trying hard enough. Even I can do it. Oh, my God. That's saying something. Shut up, Sumerian. Dead redhead. I would just like people to consider for their favorite science fiction fan to, to go to Amazon or go to your Barnes & Noble or whoever and buy some more Fritz Leiber books. We had Harlan on here talking about him. Guys, he's a grandmaster of science fiction. Please buy more Fritz Leiber books. And they just put out a new collection. So go buy them. You're here. And my gift is, is something that was floating around the interwebs for a long time. Um, there are like a whole bunch of specialized Monopoly sets. You can get Monopoly sets uh, for uh, a, a Star Wars Monopoly set. You can get uh, Bostonopoly or, or Los Angelesopoly. But one of them that's been floating around for an awful long time is... Futurama Monopoly, and it was floating around in these little sets that you could download and take a old version of Monopoly and paste it onto it. Anyhow, they finally came up with a new version, an official version of Futurama Monopoly, and the deluxe version is amazingly cool. And, you know, little gold bender heads, and it's just the coolest thing in the world, and I really <laughs> like it. Nice. 
And those, anybody else have any gift ideas going once? Dom Brandon has one. Oh, sorry. Zombrarian, <laughs> <laughs> go for Under it. Under the pole. <laughs> no, wait. Zombrarian has a gift idea. I do. Um, uh, people who know me well know that I am brand new to comic books and such things. But my brand new favorite, which is not so new, is The Unwritten, which is yes. a fantastic, oh, yes. fantastic series and it's not too hard to catch up on right now but it's getting to the point where it'll take some work so you should get the first four volumes for christmas and then volume five is coming out on january 17th so wouldn't that be a nice new year's gift Valentine. We completely agree. Unwritten is one of the more creative and unique comics out there. It's not a superhero comic. It's about the love of stories. Hello. It's about the love of stories. (laughs) Heck was that? And completely agree with you, Zombrarian. Yes, and the art is gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. And the very last thing. Okay. If you Go want, ahead, if you want a comic that will make you feel all of the feelings that the holiday season brings out in you, I suggest Black Hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How did you know? My God. For those of us who feel slightly dead inside, what a great idea! Yes, you'll feel completely dead inside after that. I've interviewed Charles Burns. I love Charles Burns. <laughs> and oh, if he scares. If, if after the second half of the show is over, you might want to think about oh, purchasing for yourself or for that loved one who has a real feel for Alien movie or um, Millennium. Uh, did I just hear a siren from somewhere? Not here. We have, okay. Apparently we're on fire. Oh, cool. Uh, at that point, you might want to purchase the Lance Hendrickson biography not bad for a human. But yes. we'll give you the chance to talk about that in the second half of the show. At this point, let's move to... Uh, where are we going now? The hmm. poll. The poll. Red Redhead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. You're on. I'm still here. Um, Our poll this week that we put up was asking people, we were a little general, which is probably why we had uh, not a whole lot of people voting for the same ones. But I had asked, what is your favorite anime? The greatest greatest science fiction fiction. animated film. Thank you, Illustrator X. (laughs) So uh, there are just a lot of people putting a lot of different stuff. However, the three that came out, actually the four that came out on top, the top uh, number one for a tie was Heavy Metal, the original Heavy Metal movie with The Incredibles. That's kind of a weird tie, I have to say. Um, And then second was Iron Giant. Nothing alike. Yeah, really. Uh, Second, we have Iron Giant, which I wondered if it was because it was just on TV again. Uh, (laughs) Uh, It's always on TV. Every single day. And the third was Akira, or Akira, for those of you who don't speak the language. Mm. (laughs) I've always found, um, at least 
anime, anime specifically, science fiction, to be kind of meh. And the problem with it for me has always been that it's never quite all there. Animated science fiction works to some degree, but it ends up either being very cartoony or just going completely off the wall. So I don't know. Or being terrifying. I will not have you disparage the joy that is the original Transformers movie from 1986. That's where we learned that you've got the touch. Kill me now. (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to think of a science fiction animated series that I... Series or movie? Does it matter? Either one. Movie? Uh, Starship 5555. What's that? It's the Daft Daft Punk animated movie. It is very good. If you haven't seen it, just go see it. It's online. You can. All right, you know what? I haven't seen it, but I'm going to vote for that one anyway because it sounds good. <laughs> Everything I watched hasn't been good, so I'm going to go with Java on this one. All right. And so, but you know, for... we will be getting to see soon. Oh, where's my bad segue sound? We no, will be getting the... to see the return of a real Sherlock Holmes, not Robert Downey Jr. in those god awful films. The BBC's with, uh, what's his name? Brendan Buster. It doesn't matter. He's just awesome. Who cares what his name is? man. Wow. Yeah. It's, and it's apparently gonna he's going to be the voice of Smaug in the Hobbit movie, but uh, that's coming back. Oh, wait. On that's Re- kind of awesome. Here's Day, yeah. Night, 1 1 2012. Wait, wait, wait. Can we go back to the worm for a minute? He's going to be the voice of Smaug. That's yeah. epic. Yeah, that's that is going to be cool. But how many uh, do we know? How many there are going to be in the new series of Sherlock Holmes? Because there were only three in the last one. There's three in this one, and uh, one of them is named Hound of the Baskervilles, and one of them is named Reichenbach Falls. Oh my goodness! They're going there already. That was a fast series already. (laughs) Wow! Holy God! They you know leave it to the Brits to you know do something and then. Stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the best it's, it's at really, that. It's really an American problem that we just can't stop doing things. We That's keep doing true. things. Well, one of the things one of the things that we keep doing is remaking movies. And now that has led us to Starship Troopers, but Fast and Furious. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You're not serious. What? Yeah, are because they, they the director the- of Fast and Furious is going to do the remake of Starship Troopers. I, so you can wait, 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 wait. Of- Didn't I just predict the other day that someone was going to remake Starship Troopers? Yeah, you did last <laughs> week. Okay. I was going to say. I need to remake Starship Troopers. I don't understand. It's because, fine. Because um, of America's deep and abiding love for Robert A. Heinlein. <laughs> yeah, that's it, I'm sure. And also. Who doesn't want underbody lights on aliens? Who doesn't? <laughs> I think I think that those troopers' guns need some spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe a turbo, one or the other. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Make it sound like a. But if we need to redo Starship Troopers, do we really need to redo the Man from Uncle as well? No. Especially Guy Ritchie doing. I'm sorry, I am not a Guy Ritchie fan, and yes, I do remember the show Dome. Um, <laughs> then you're one of the, you know how old I am, yes. but 
Wasn't shoe phone the, the get smart thing? No, shoe phone with get smart. You're absolutely yeah. right. No, the man I am from too Uncle young for this game. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> the man from Uncle was a fairly serious spy Amer- American, but it it was funny. But they took it a little more serious than like a get smart. It, was it was it as serious as that one with the big ball that smothers people? Was that no? It was prisoner. It was, no, it's not quite that. Serious. Yeah, because that one made me feel like I was on drugs. You yeah. were on drugs. <laughs> Actually, I it was supposed to. I got tested. <laughs> and you passed. Oh, my God. He's been watching The Prisoner. <laughs> You're out of the game. But the reality is, you know, there's, there's enough good stuff that hasn't been done yet. Well, wait a minute. And, and now we're going into redoing what was at best a serious but campy TV series from the late 60s, early 70s. And... What? We're looking at do, redoing another Philip K. Dick book now. Wait, wait a minute. The Man from yeah. Uncle. It it could be as good as the Wild Wild West movie. Oh Jesus! Or hey. the Avengers. <laughs> I the love the Wild Wild West, Wild West, West movie. Film. Wow, Wild you Wild can't West. Not say West. anything negative about it. What? I mean, hey, freaking Selma Hayek was in that movie. Wait a minute. It the Wild Wild West movie. Steam-powered spider. A humongous. It also had Will fucking Smith. That's I what. I don't care. Supposed to care about. You know what? Things. You know what? He's a freaking man in black. Show some respect. No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely uh, not. It, oh, it, uh, it, hey, if you, you don't appreciate Big Willie style, haters to the left. Uh-huh. Parents They're just, just not understand. as fresh as we are. Clearly. <laughs> What are you, the fresh princess? There was dice in the... I the am fresh the princess fresh princess. <laughs> <laughs> you bet your ass I'm the fresh princess. Oh. <laughs> this is a story all about how. Oh, oh so Brian's going to look back on this episode tomorrow and be like, Oh, I said, so, were, I'm you know, though, uh, Will Ferrell's new movie, with which he's doing with Jaden, his uh, son... Speaking of Will's... Is uh, actually got. I'm sorry, Will <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> that was the Freudian slip of <laughs> That one. Yes, he meant. That's to what say I Will think. Smith. That's what I think of Will Smith. No. Um, <laughs> they're M. interchangeable Night, for Christ's sake. M Night Shyamalan's. Uh, Don't be racist. Which, which was uh, named 1000 A.E. has been renamed to something slightly less ridiculous, and now it's just all <laughs> after Earth. Which is actually a great name. After Earth, great name. I'm going to put that on the line. Wow. Being on Earth, Ob. Yeah, really. (laughs) They're redoing The Man from Uncle. They're redoing all this other crap. And right now, somebody... Hello, Dome. Dome. Once. Oh. I think we're having some technical difficulties. But they are new stuff. They are doing. Uh oh.
We'll fall. There we are. We're are, back. Are we back? Here we have. We're back. We're back. Okay, My that was. She was asked. That was odd. Okay. <laughs> that was indeed. That was the silence. Um, we're gonna silence. blame it. We're gonna blame it on the silence and move on. All right. Okay. So, I was trying to talk about the new Philip K. Dick film that's now being put together. Why? Uh, based on his novel Now Wait for Next Year, which is one of his best novels. And the story is a future Earth where an alien species forms an alliance with mankind against another alien species. And it's really an interesting book. It's a nice, paranoid Philip K. Dick classic. These are the, you know... There's enough good stuff out there to do without remaking stuff. There's no point to remaking The Man from Uncle. Sorry. Wait, X, wasn't that called the Ranthanagarian War? Oh, I'm tr- why do you why do you make me relive these things? <laughs> I try to block these out, but it's so much so fun to torment you. Yeah, it totally so, is. Do you think uh, you think the Good idea. Movies out of this stuff. Maybe start a <laughs> no, no, no trend there. No trend whatsoever. Oh boy. You know what though? For every like one good one, there are three that blow. Well, yeah, yeah. But for every one, okay. every three movies, you know, every four movies, three of them blow, and one of them is acceptable. That's yeah, true. I mean, you know, it's. I, I think you might be a little optimistic on that. You know, so theater restrictions. Like, wait a minute. All of entropy, 90% of everything is crap. That's not even true. Okay, but it wait totally a minute. Is so this is the show where you you defended the Wild Wild West movie and you <laughs> said that three out of every four Philip K. Dick movie books are crap. Have, not books, movies. <laughs> oh. Well, My 90% fault. of all the movies are crap, <laughs> so it's okay. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, it's I not mean, really okay. It's not okay. Yes, it you is. Because Let's without those movies, we wouldn't company. know what was good. Thank yes, you, Yes, we would. You and I, no, you, you absolutely wouldn't. That's, it has to be that way. No, and it it's okay doesn't. that it's that way. Right. Not every movie is a gem, and any writer, any director, any producer will tell you that. They can't all be perfect, and they're not going to be. And they're yeah, not all going to be great films. And one and film that we cannot possibly assume is going to be perfect is going to be Ender's Game. But... We can assume it's getting a little bit more perfect because Harrison Ford's going to be in it. What? Yeah. If Sean Connery is in it, it becomes the perfect film of all time. I think he's getting a little long in the tooth to play Ender. He's still, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Ender's already been cast as that kid from Hugo, which I haven't seen it. Has anybody seen it? No. No, but I want to. Yeah, we want to go this weekend. So anyway, okay, so um, it's, it's what's really, yeah, what's really interesting is that he hasn't done a science fiction movie where he was in space since Star Wars. What? Oh, true. He hasn't. Jedi. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Please Blade tell Runner me was eighty two. Jedi was eighty three. Okay, Jedi. Yep. Yeah, he was. High time he gets then. back in front of the green screen then. But, but yeah, you know, you when know, I talk about something. Something that shouldn't be redone. Sometimes you shouldn't mess with certain genres like Justin Bieber did. Um, Apparently, he did this steampunk uh, video to Santa Claus is Coming to Town or something. Yeah. And it sucked. (laughs) 
bad. It, it was bad steampunk. Dear Justin Bieber, leave it alone. Step it away. Like, Step away from the steampunk. <laughs> uh, Step away from all that is not evil in this world and go back to your little corner of hell. Steam- you know what? I'm going to say this. Can we just back away from Justin Bieber? I am. Only if we can back away from Leonardo DiCaprio, and I know you have a hard time doing that. <laughs> I, that, that was I will defend that opinion <laughs> for right. until he. I don't want to no step longer. away from Elijah Wood, though. He's cute. Yeah, but he's doing something about... weird, isn't he? He's doing something. <laughs> he's weird. He always does weird things. <laughs> he's like he's like the. He, yes. What's the name? Harold Hughes, right? Harold Hughes? Howard Hughes? Howard Hughes, that's it. He's like Howard Hughes. He's always doing weird things. Harold Hughes better, to be honest with you. (laughs) John is drunker than usual tonight. I I haven't had anything to drink. That's the problem. No, that must be it then. Totally the issue then. All right. So what else is going on in the world? How's Cabin in the Woods trailer? Cabin in the Woods trailer is... uh, one of those two and a half minutes of awesomeness that defies everybody's expectations because everybody to this point has been talking about, oh, it's going to be horror, it's filled with blood, yada, yada, yada. It is incredibly intense. There's no spoof to it whatsoever, and it's got a real sci-fi edge to it. I like it a lot. And if, if... in true ridiculous fashion, that's the best two and a half minutes of the film. I'm good with it. Okay, then. I'm, and when's it coming um, out? Stuff. It's coming out within the next two to three weeks. So it's going to be out before yes. The Avengers is. <laughs> two to three so weeks? It'll it be out six name. months before The Avengers. <laughs> so, Illustrator X, what's been going on in the world of comics? Uh, it's a dark day in the world of comics. Um, Jerry Robinson just passed away today. Jerry Robinson is one of the last of the Golden Age creators. Creator of the Joker. He created Robin. He created the Batcave. And pretty much everything that was cool about Batman. Bob Kane came up with a guy in a cape. Jerry Robinson did the rest. Joining us within seconds, weekends, moments, there and they're here. Joe Matthew and Lance Hendrickson. Try this Bye. Again. Okay, try this again. There we go. Yeah, here we are. All right. Woo! All right. Amazing what you can do with duct tape and a wrench. So, all right, Lance. So, guys. let's begin with, if we could, just talking about the book that you have written with Joe. Did you guys write this together? Did you sit down together and do it, or was it passing back and forth? We did it together, yeah. It took us a year, a little over a year to write. And one, one, we would meet at least a couple of times a week, and then there would be a lot of midnight calls thinking, you know, I, I don't know if we want to talk about that, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, and then we worked our way through it. And our deal was that if we don't, if we don't have a book halfway through and I can't tell the truth or, or you know, something's going wrong, we'll just throw it away and, and never look back. 
but it, it, it went well and, and it decided to write itself in a way, you know, but we, we did put the hours, days, weeks and months into it. You got into it pretty fast, actually, because we, we, we started out, a lot of our early conversations were about uh, different film roles, but very specifically about films. And, and you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff about the early part of your life came out of that once we'd sort of built up a rapport. And uh, you just said, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. There you go. Oh, That's the oh, answer. And, you, and, you, and you, you really did do it right, too. Because Thank you, part, of, part of what came through was there's this incredible honesty about you delving deep into roles. The one role, uh, I forget the movie, where you played Torquemada. Yeah, that guy, yeah. And uh, you began to internalize the role so deeply that you ended up screaming at a clergyman in Rome. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, I literally, I, was, I had one day off the whole month we were shooting, and I was living in a castle. Ugh. And, and I, I, the, the Italian driver took me into Rome, and we're, we're driving right next to the Vatican, and a little guy came out in his robes and his little flat hat that looks like a UFO. <laughs> and, and I, I got a, I saw him and I was instantly angry and I ran after him screaming, you fucking hypocrite. You know, I mean, one of the reasons that it happened was because a Dominican, a Dominican monk came on our set and I said, I said to, he visited us. Right. And I said, why didn't Torquemada get excommunicated? He was worse than Hitler, you know, or Mussolini, you know, and, and the guy said, well, he was a very important theologian and he walked away from me. Book it started, guys. How? Who came to whom first and said, "Hey, we gotta, we should talk about doing a book." I, I did a, a documentary a few years ago called "Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue," and, and Lance did the narration. So we we actually met doing that project, and uh, we were we were talking for about a year after that about um, trying to do a, uh, a a TV show, and um, we we. Uh, that that's, that sort of started to fade into the background, and I really wanted to uh, to to do something else with Lance. So I, I came to him with the idea of uh, of doing a book, and we uh, we we got together about once a week. Actually, the first thing I did was order as uh, tons of back issues of magazines where he'd done interviews before, just so that I would know uh, you know what what he told previous interviewers. And then when I I came in, I just would come in once a week with. A long list of questions and uh, make him make him talk through everything in excruciating detail and drive him crazy. <laughs> that was a but tough somehow job. it doesn't come across <laughs> that way. It, it, no, you know, no, it, it wasn't. Across. It wasn't. It wasn't stilted at all. No, no. <laughs> no. We, we were talking no. talking like a couple of guys. You know, I mean, yeah. do you really want to talk about that? You know, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, well, honest man, I'm not afraid of anything. So, you know, it, it was fun to do. Well, no, you admitted you did Sasquatch Mountain, and that's impressive. I don't have any more takes on a Sasquatch. Right? There's no way I can do another Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw the, Entertainment Weekly, <laughs> but they what? did a, a whole... Entertainment Weekly, uh, their last issue, did 50 actors and the one film they've really regretted doing and wished they'd never done. Yeah. And 
I was talking at work to a bunch of people uh, who knew that you were on the show tonight, and they said, ask them, because I think I know what it is. So, in response to ask me to ask you this question, one film you will... You, you know what? Luckily, luckily, you're fading in and out, and I didn't really get most of that question. But <laughs> I, I have about a handful of movies that I wish I'd never done. <laughs> my, 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 of course, my phrase for them is they're alimony films, and you have to do them. <laughs> I wonder if a judge, if a judge, when he discusses the alimony, understands what kind of a position he's putting a guy in, you know, I mean, you know, like... I, I, you could have screened a movie, actually. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could screen, <laughs> screen the movie in my defense. This is what you're getting me, forcing me to do, like Scream of the Banshee, <laughs> or, or never mind, I, I don't even want to go into them. They're, they're like, uh, they're like cockroaches. Oh, someone's watched that. Well, what were what were some of your more favorite roles, Lance? Oh God, you know, you know, the one that was the breakout film for me, of course, was Jim Cameron when I did Aliens, because, you know, Jim was uh, he was very supportive of me, and 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 I, I loved doing that movie, but it, it was a giant movie at the time because we had already done, we had done. Piranha together, and we had done Terminator together, and then when Aliens came up, he made me audition, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> but but it was it was a great experience, so that was probably my favorite. Uh, one of the things that got me in the book was you you talk about how you actually used movie scripts to teach yourself how to read, and then I mean, as if that wasn't fascinating enough like like the two pages later you're talking about oh and then i'm doing uh, reading shakespeare with al pacino how do you go from teaching yourself to read to doing shakespeare well you know <laughs> I, oh my god it is tough because that's an antique language i mean really when you Absolutely. get down to it it's very antique it, it's it's very wise and very wonderful but you, you have to live up to it. Again, I'm an actor, you know, I mean, I, right. I, I used to pretend that uh, I, I didn't get that word because I got the wrong glasses on or, or, you know, I mean, you just, you just, you're a survivor. So you, you end up faking your way through it, fake it till you make it, you know, fake it till it works, you know, and, it, and I, I'm not a dumb guy. So it, it ended up being, it, it ended up being as much of a risk as you would take if you went in for an audition. It was, you just risk it. And I'm sure they were, they were all thinking, did somebody bang him in the head or something this morning? I mean, oh. you know. I, <laughs> so they didn't cast you as Puck then. <laughs> yeah, but, but they didn't ask me to be in the play either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you, you know, years take... later, years later, I was on uh, off Broadway with with Al doing uh, I played Clarence and Richard the third, you know, and oh. Tyrrell, both of those roles, which is standard. You if you play Clarence, you got to play Tyrrell in the second act, you know. But anyway, yeah. Shakespeare has never been my favorite thing. 
uh, right. for sure. But I'm glad it's there. There's something to contrast, you know, the mumblings of the, a modern actor, you know. So it's pretty good. It's good stuff. When, when did you figure out that what you needed to do was actually become a complete method actor? Because your, one of your first movie roles was Dog Day Afternoon, and that was a very small part in Dog Day Afternoon. Well, I realized it when Sidney Lamette saw, saw me do the scene where, where he says, I don't, I don't want that guy, I want that FBI guy because at least I know what I'm dealing with. When, when I did that scene, Sidney, Sidney saw it, and I didn't tell him what I was doing, but, but when he saw it, he, he came to me and he said, Lance, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. And, and, I, and I thought privately, he saw that I was, that I was living it. And, and I was, uh, and that opened the door. I mean, method acting has been very, very confusing to a lot of people, but really what it's about is personalizing every, everything that you can do with a, with a script. You gather, you do all the, you know, all the research you can, and then and you personalize it. Because I'm not responsible for the whole movie. I'm only responsible for being personalized and subjective to the role. You know what I mean? But but when somebody as 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 well known and as well respected as Sidney Lumet says that to you, you know oh, that you're heading gets, in the right direction. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was like a it was like a signpost. It said, "Hey, you did it right. You did you did it right because you made it personal." And and that that's those are you know again. I'm, I have to say I'm not I'm not a dumb guy. I was always I, I didn't have an education, but I wasn't dumb. And one of the things is in the arts, when you're surrounded by very bright people, it kind of rubs off on you. I mean, it, it definitely rubs off on you if you're available. I didn't have to apologize for anything. All I had to do was to grow that much more at that moment. Well, I got to tell you, the read of the book does not in any way have you come off as a dumb guy at any level whatsoever. No, no. Not at all. In fact, yeah. you sit there and you're just kind of stunned by the the growth that you made from, you know, growing up in Greenwich Village, growing up in New York City, doing all the things that happened to you younger in your life, and then going on to an incredibly prolific career with a lot of highs and a couple of, you know, dumps along the way. But who doesn't have that? in their repertoire by the time they get to be where you are in the business. Well, well, nobody gets through this life unscathed, you know, nobody. I, I don't care who, what they tell you, but they don't, you know, no, you, you guys haven't, certainly. You're, you're not invited into this industry or into this, this art, art, you know, art, this particular art, but, but they can't keep you out if you're tenacious enough. And, and, and by that, I don't mean just ambitious. I mean, if your hunger is great enough to to you know to, to do those things to, to to take the shots and to take the the hits or whatever it is, because it's that's better than where I came from for sure. <clears throat> Joe, let me ask: Was this the first time you wrote this kind of a book? Had you done biographies before, or no? Nobody ever does a biography too. 
you know. <laughs> well, I hadn't done Lancers, no, but I, I, I mean, <laughs> the last book that I had written was on um, was on T.S. Eliot, which was, oh. you know, I mean, I spent five years um, sort wow. of studying who he was in the first half of his life based not just on the, the, the poetry and the criticism that he left behind, but but by trying to read the things that he was reading at the times he wrote that stuff. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm just interested in, in creative process. And that was sort of how I, how I tackled this was what, what were the, what were the overlaps? A lot of the questions I was asking were what are, what are the overlaps between Lance as a person and, and Lance and his roles? And I, and I started to realize that a lot of the lines that would stick in my head from, from the films he's done, um, were, were things that he had actually brought to that role, were lines that he improvised or that, that had, a, had a specific reason for him to be part of that. Um, you know, that, that was part of his belief in the role, was, was bringing something personal to it. And in some ways, I think some of the things in those roles, he's really internalized them to the point that some of those characters, not all of them, thankfully, but some of those characters really are, are, are a big part of who he is now as a person. And that, and that process really fascinated me. I mean, that was... That was the reason for me to tackle the book. And I got to say, and there's a lot of characters. Uh, I've been getting emails all week from our listeners, uh, just, you know, talking about how they're going to be listening and, and you got to ask them about this. And there's just two big camps. There's the camp that says, ask him to bring back millennium. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think Lance Henriksen is the producer. (laughs) Tell tell him to, to write a letter to Fox. Here's yeah, the thing. Tell, tell him to go go to backtofrankblack.com and 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 ask them how they can get a, get him and be part of the the, uh, the push toward Fox. I mean, Fox got really upset because thousands of letters are going in there, and and they ended up saying, "Please stop, stop." And I and the the people at Back to Frank Black said to me, uh, "This guy Troy that is involved in it." He said, "Well, what should we do?" And I said. Doubled up. He <laughs> <laughs> got him up a tree now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fox doesn't. And that's the time to hit him with the stick. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that people kept asking was like, "He's got to finish the Pumpkinhead series," and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Millennium and Pumpkinhead. <laughs> you know, Stan Winston was a, was a brilliant, brilliant guy, and he did the first one, and then from then on, it was as if as if it was Superman. And we want you to do another Superman, you know, um. another Pumpkinhead, Ed Harley, and they they can they distorted it to the point where it became an alimony film. And I went to yeah. Romania yeah. and did two of them at the same time. It was. You know, again, a room, you know, an alimony film really means that. <laughs> were, were people really <laughs> there was no series of Pumpkinhead, but but there was a series of Pumpkinhead films. I, I remember that the, I went to Rome. I was on my way to Stigis to a film festival, and oh. I stopped in Milan, and I was at this real swank hotel, and this guy in a powder blue suit with bleach blonde hair, you know, came up to me and said, listen, I'm a producer and I want to do another pumpkin head. And, I, and he said, there's money in it, you know? And I said, okay. And he handed me the script and I ran to my room and I read it. I didn't run to my room. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I read we get, it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. 
totally. Yeah. It, was a, it was a piece of stronzo, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I came down and I said to the guy, look, th this ain't going to work, man. I, you know, this is, you, you need to redo a rewrite. And the guy looked at me like I had just took a leak in his punch bowl, you know. Mm. But I, I couldn't do it. And then years later, after a divorce, I had to do a, a couple of them. And I regret that in a way. Because because what Stan had done was was an original. It was it was, and we improvised a lot of stuff in that one, and, and it was all based on a lot of good feelings. You know, Stan was really a dynamite guy. Oh, I'd worked with him on Aliens and you know Terminator and stuff, and so I knew him well. And and again, I I have to I have to define acting as a kiss in the dark. You don't know what, where, how, why, or when it's going to happen or where it's going to come from. And, and you, that's your career. That's what your life is like. That's why I'm divorced. I mean, women can't stand that shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's funny because you talk about doing Shakespeare, which is possibly as locked into the word as you can be. You never improvise Shakespeare. And yet some of your other work... You talk about improvising not only freely, but entire scenes. Yeah. So entire. How, how did, <laughs> in, entire what? I'm sorry? Entire movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but here's the thing. Look, I, I, got I, I got almost fired from doing a Richard III because I thought that Clarence being an alcoholic drinking mumsy, you know, was, was uh, jaundiced. And when when Edward is taking having me sent to the tower, where I finally end up being drowned in a mumsy butt, you know, in a mumsy barrel, I I, uh, I said I want to I want to insult Edward for doing this to me. So when Richard and the and the guards were taking me to the tower, I wanted to strip down, throw my clothes away until I was finally naked, walking away to the tower, bright yellow because I had jaundice. And, and, and the director said, it, it just looks like you don't like the, the costumes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. We didn't like the costumes. Uh, yeah, and, and the truth of it is, I wanted to humiliate Edward, but there was no lines to back it up. What did he say uh, about the yellow paint? Yeah. How did he explain that? <laughs> Uh, but I was trying to personalize it in that way. You wanna, you're humiliating me. I haven't done anything. Richard, little did I know that Richard, you know, in, I thought Richard stumbled and in falling struck me overboard, right? But that's as much as I knew about how nasty bastard he was, my brother. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. The reason we got you on the show is yeah. because a friend of yours... By the name of Mike Worth was on the show about a month and a half ago. Oh, Mike! Yeah, talk, talking about a, a film that he had done for the Sci-Fi Channel, and as we were talking about that film, he mentioned a film called "Bring Me the Head of Lance Henderson," <laughs> <laughs> and said, "If you ever get a chance to have Lance on the show, <clears throat> ask him about that film. Consider yourself asked." What's that okay. one about? What want to hear well, about it. Look, look there, uh, I've reached the uh, mellow age, you know, of where, where most people, when they go in for an audition, there's a little box you check 
on the on the sheet when you come in and says, are you over 40 or under 40? And the, and the point of the, the show that, that Michael had come up with was uh, ageism in the industry. And the whole show is improvised. It's, it's, it is a comedy, but it's, it's based on real life experiences and, and, and chemistry. And so when, when Mike came to me with this, I thought, what an opportunity to really, to really, you know, talk about life condition for an actor without, without standing on a, standing on a crocodile, get your attention. I mean, it was, <laughs> it's, it's really a terrific idea because Tim Thomerson is in it. And, and we're talking about a guy that is such an innocent that is, I refer to him as a guy with a, with a heart as big as a baby's head. I mean, he, <laughs> he really doesn't get angry. He gets flustered. And when he gets flustered, he becomes even more innocent. It's a wonderful thing. And he's really starring in it. But I'm a, I'm a guy who, um, who gets every role that he's up for. You know, I mean, in other words, uh. I, we're the same age and everything else. And he, every time he goes in for an audition, they go, oh, oh, no, that role's taken by Lance because he's, we've got an offer out to him. And Tim gets so insane over it because he's not getting work and I'm working all the time. And, and he ends up stalking me to find out <laughs> how do I do it? I mean, what is, the, what is the ingredient that makes me able to do it, to do that and have that, you know? And it becomes a real comedy, man, I'm, I'm telling you. We've done, we've shot it all now. It's, it's hilarious. And I never stopped. He, what? Is that why he didn't show up at um, the, the, the Rocket Shock, shock uh, convention that you were at? I, Tim Thomerson was supposed to be there and he didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> Usually he shows up at those and brings his cameraman. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> He came, he came to a book signing, and, and in the book signing, one of the scenes we shot was, it was actually a book signing for my book. And Tim is in line with everybody else trying to get, get, my, get my attention, and he's got a, a little valise that he's got all, he found out I had written a book, so he just started to decide to write his own biography. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's all on, like, napkins and little, you know, post-its and shit. <laughs> And he, and he tries to get a, get a hold of Joe Madre to say, look, Joe, I, I've got my biography. And, and Joe blows him off in some way. And, and, and by the time he gets to me, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, <laughs> I, I purposely ignored him, you know, and turned away from him. And, 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 and to see him go through the machinations of rejection and, and disappointment and all of that stuff, it is so it's so honest and so beautiful. I mean, really, this thing is I'm hoping this is what I'm hoping for, that it becomes a showtime uh, a series, because there are so many actors out there that have been through the who, what, why, when, where and how the kiss in the dark rhapsody, you know, of disappointment and 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 trials and tribulations. It's really funny shit. I mean, you know, Adrian Barbeau's and John Saxon and all these. Oh, these man. Oh, I got to yeah, see and, this now. I want to see every I want to see every actor that we've forgotten about in this thing. To, and because they, they all have a statement. They all have a, a you know, a, a point of view. I'm so excited about it. I mean, and Michael Worth, 
he decided, I'm not going to decide where this is going and how it's going to happen. But all I'm going to decide is you have to get from A to B and I don't care how you do it. And we've done some funny, funny, funny stuff. And I don't think I'm funny. I don't think I'm a comedian. But I know in my heart that situations are funny. And, man, we put ourselves in some really crazy shit. It's, it's good. It's really good. That's a new it's a process it? for you. Yeah. Because you're playing yourself. But Yeah, I'm playing myself. A variation but, on yourself. Yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a notch up from myself. Because I, I know <laughs> the absurdity, you know, the <laughs> it would it be like getting pulled over by a cop. To... <laughs> I remember getting, I got pulled over by a cop because I just bought a, this is a while ago before alimony, but I had bought an, <laughs> an, an NSX, you know, one of those Acura legend car, you know, real fast sport car. And a tunnel was flooded and I shot through the tunnel on this car with this, my car. And a cop followed me and said, he pulled me over. And I knew my ass had had it because I really went through that tunnel. Because I was like skipping a stone, but my car was skipping. And he pulled me over and he, I rolled down the window and he goes, Bishop. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh, shit. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and he goes, hey, just don't do it in front of me. Now, get, the, get the hell out of here. And I thought, you know, that's one of those absurd moments that I wasn't laughing. I was shitting myself because I, <laughs> because I really, I mean, I blasted through that tunnel. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, I was skating on the water like skipping a stone, really. I really was. But anyway, that, that kind of, everybody in, that's ever been an actor has been through great moments like that. And when you, when you do a, a thing like what, we're, what, what Michael Worth is attempting which is very radical, uh, these things come out in such a wonderful way because never in the history of movies that I've ever seen have people really gotten on film and being truthful and being f funny because of their truth. There's this wonderful uh, Oriental actor that is being interviewed and the guy says, he says, weren't you in, uh, in like uh, Star Wars? And he says, no, look, we don't all look alike. No, it, was, it was really funny. It was another Oriental actor. And he says, and, 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 and I can answer that question. What was the question? It was like, it was, it's just great stuff, man. So when are we going to get a chance to see this? Well, right now he's putting together, they call it the sizzler. And that's what you, you cut something together of the footage we've already shot, which is probably about oh, a thousand hours of footage. From with all kinds of actors in it, and and the Sizzler is to meant to sell it, and he's he's in the process of doing that right now. Which is, I, I'm telling you, he's got so much material; it's it's beyond belief. I think we've probably got a whole half of a season already shot, and if it happened, I, I it would be oh great! It would be like carrying a lunch bucket to to art, you know. It sounds so cool, and you know, who do I have to kill to see it? I don't know. But we're 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 sitting here, we're waiting for it. The book is called "Not Bad for a Human." It's the story of Lance Hendrickson's life, written by Lance and his writing partner in this, Joe Madry. Gentlemen, it has been amazing. I can't I thank you enough for joining us. Yo, where can we buy a copy of "Not Bad for a Human"? 
We are going to put a link up on the website that takes you to notbadforahuman.com. And they can pick it up there because there's a special deal that they have for the hardcover. Or they can get the softcover at Amazon, and we'll put that link up as well. Guys, you, thanks for your support. And thanks for your, your friendly your friendliness. You know, really, it's been a pleasure. Really, a pleasure. Stick around with us for just a few moments, gentlemen. Okay, you got it. Go ahead, Axe, you're up. That sounds like my cue. Next week, we have a bone to pick with author Christy Peterson Schoonover and her novel, Skeletons in the Swimming Hole. Then on December 24th, author Casey Shoemaker wreaks her silver vengeance on Christmas Eve. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Zanoise. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. Dome? It has been one hell of an interview with Lance Hendrickson and Joe Madry. I want to thank gentlemen for joining us tonight. From the Revere Time Vortex, this sweetheart of the soundboard, she's been working her little butt off tonight. Brianna, thank you, darling. I'm going to have to wrangle these tubes a little more. <laughs> thank you, sweetheart. I don't know if you're there or not. She's not. From the four of comics, thank you, Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Overfinished, gone, done out. Kisses to everyone. And from Outpost Gallifrey, our gaming editor, it's a week by Java. Thank you, buddy. Good night. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Good night.